Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. I think we're in a decade of action, so let's act rather than report. In fact, my contention is exactly like yours, that you can only report something where you have acted on. You know, why are you making those reports so fancy and your action on the ground is nil and all you're doing is just a pickpack activity. So number one, I think even the sustain, it's a call to the sustainability heads and just pure sustainability heads, not the ones who are handling four portfolios or five portfolios for the business because it's also business call to action. One is that, you know, just deliver on and not just preach. Radhika Ralhan is a global impact young leader from India, awarded by the prestigious Atlas Corps Fellowship 2020. She is a sustainability systems expert with a decade-long work experience of driving the SDGs agenda by curating Innovative SDG Drivers Forum, leading one-of-a-kind research on assessing the SDGs in Indian context. She has been appointed by the Government of India, Bureau of Indian Standards, as a drafting expert to formulate the first-of-its-kind CSR standards that are aligned with the SDGs. She is based in Washington, D.C. and is working with Collaborating for Resilience. In this podcast, we're going to shed light on the Millennium Development Goals and what progress we've made towards the SDGs, and then especially focus on scaling collaboration between local, state, and government stakeholders to actually make action. And one of the big things that we're going to talk about is let's not make reports, but instead take action. So Radhika, what are some of the key collaborative actions that are required to scale up the sustainable development goals? Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for this fantastic opportunity, first and foremost. And we're at a critical juncture where I think collaboration at the time of crisis, whether it's corona or whether it's climate change, is a key thing. I would uh, reinstate on that fact. And one of the collaborative actions should be the Linkages between your programs on the ground, the projects that you're doing on the ground with the policy. So while we are talking about partnerships for all, and we are speaking about stakeholders coming together, but that's happening at a very, uh, I would say at a very, uh, you know, superficial stage. We are having actual projects, whether it's on energy, water savings, but there is immense room to get collaborations on the local organizations that are already working on the ground. And I'm specifically stating this from the Indian perspective, uh, where the private sector through the sustainability programs, the government through their schemes, and also the implementing uh, organizations who are running these programs directly with the communities should have now a convergence uh, model. And the idea should not just be focusing on one, you know, we said one village or let's scale up to one district, but it should have an exponential impact. You need to scale up your partnerships, uh, both thematically and also region-wise. And there is immense room for collaborations. I feel uh, the dialogue processes, the communications, and being a catalyst. Today, uh, in this world, I think catalysts or collaborators are uh, having immense roles. We need some organizations who can just work on those catalysts Uh, mode to scale up these partnerships. 
So yes, we have identified stakeholders, but where are the collaborations getting formed? On what and where? And especially with countries like India, where SDGs, the success of SDGs would depend on their role and their impact on the ground. Yes. Well, so India is maybe a good place to focus on. And in your statements, mm-hmm. I agree that we need to scale up and have this exponential collaboration. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. seems like sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done. And I know it, it's not rocket science to make connections and establish collaborations, but what's some examples maybe in India where you're seeing some scale of collaboration to work together to get some of these initiatives done? Absolutely. Uh, even if we just go a little way back when the MDGs was formed, one of the critical MDGs that the Millennium Development Goals that India was able to achieve was to eradicate polio. This was very important. And this was the one of the best examples to show how partnerships were formed. The government, through their extensive awareness uh, campaigns, schemes, even citizens coming together, even celebrities coming together to make massive campaigns, to also disseminate those campaigns in those particular areas where there is high incidences of polio, how we converge. And of course, the private sector, it's a, it's uh, all together in UN bodies. All of us came together and we did manage to uh, eradicate polio. The renewable uh, sector, we saw a plethora of social entrepreneurs working in the renewable energy. We have one of the best uh, renewable energy policies that were made by the country. And it's also brought in the business case of sustainability. These are convergence models. Even in the context of health, I mean, our government has, uh, and today we are seeing that, that how our public health system is, while we are tackling a, a major issue of our population, but during this time of crisis, how are we able to even manage or mitigate the scale of the adversity that this crisis can bring only because of our public health. And that also convolutes into the SDG3 framework, where we have organizations like Bill and Melinda Gates. We have organizations which are working at the NGOs level, coming together and working on maternal health, uh, you know, uh, infant uh, reducing the infant mortality, which are SDG indicators in the SDG3 context. These are some of the cases that are there. But the idea is the scalability, I would say, because when our apex body, Niti Aayog, is, progr- is uh, you know, formulating a progress on the SDG index in the Indian context, we have an SDG index where we are also mapping the progress of these indicators. All of these efforts get converged there. And we can see in an overall aspect that there is still immense work to do at the ground level because your your local development has to have happened because from the you know from the macro level the policies are there right and the systems has to be formulated to implement those policies systems can only happen when you have convergence of the stakeholders and not just taking like you rightly said this uh, you know approach that okay we know this this is the business case of sustainability not these jargons but let's implement them on the ground. I and like also, that. Yeah. And you, yeah. you speak it like some of the, you know, some of the business jargon. And, you know, I, yes. I sometimes I find myself on phone calls sometimes where I'm using some of these like business cliches of, yeah, let's move the ball forward. And, you know, I hope we're on yeah. the same page. And it's like, 
I'm like, what am I even saying right now? (laughs) But at the same time, I know the private sector is so important Mm -hmm. when it comes to advancing these SDGs. So what are some examples of the private sector and business? You know, a lot of times you see people frown upon the private sector, but we know Mm -hmm. private sector is not only part of this puzzle, is a critical piece of this puzzle. How, how is the private sector involved with advancing some of these SDGs and maybe what some case studies that you've seen within Absolutely. India? So uh, this is a very interesting point, and we all are eyeing the private sector, both in terms of investments, resources, financing the SDGs, but also I feel them feel that they are also strong drivers, but their potential is, and they themselves are also not exploring their potential. Breakthroughs are not being formed. Let's talk critical case studies like yours uh, stating, which which are, uh, you know, fantastic examples of how your partnerships and your SDGs can be uh, seen together. For example, in the global context, we know how Loop with Unilever has come up with a fantastic model of recycled packaging, but also creating a system of refilling, you know, the whole circular economy model that's coming, because it's also invoking citizens' engagement on SDGs. That's number one, driven by private sector. But in Indian context, let me be very, very, you know, because I've worked within and also outside the sector, it's still seen, the sustainability is still seen as just, you know, performing on your ESG indicators, very crucial. But then what what are you doing with that reporting? You have mitigated your water footprint. You will say you have mitigated your plastic footprint. And then what? What are you doing? How are you also translating that into your business, uh, you know, economic sustainability? You have three aspects of uh, economic, social and environment sustainability. But sustainability is just restricted to the environment component in the business context. They view CSR and sustainability as two separate domains, which is which, you know, here it's bizarre to hear that. It's really bizarre to hear that. Yeah, in the Nordic context, if I say uh, the Nordic countries, they'll laugh at us. They'll say, hello, it's already inbuilt in our everyday life. Uh, so to look at examples like water uh, conservation examples have been conducted by, you know, Tatas and Mahindras. But my uh, argument is that we're only hearing about these big companies. And India has a massive SAB, the small and medium enterprises, uh, and any SDGs, if they have to be driven by the business, need to involve the SMEs. We do not see a single case of the SMEs. And I did that paper on achieving the SMEs in the achieving the SDGs in the SME context. But they were very hardly case studies. And these SMEs are actually working on the ground with the people, with industry associations. So we hear companies like Coke, like Amazon making big commitments, IKEA making big commitments, and even doing so also, like on sustainable agriculture, cotton, recycling. But I do also feel that they are not contributing to the actual targets also. How have they mapped in, they have good fancy reports. But if I say today that I am uh, contributing to this particular target of SDG 4, then that is my project. That's how I did in the SDGs Drivers Forum that you bring these private sector together and ask them to enlist one project which is aligning to the targets of SDGs. And we did this with the World Food Program. And uh, how food and nutrition and how your sustainable agriculture, what are the targets? You cannot say I'm working on agriculture and I'm, I'm contributing to 
uh, SDG 2, for instance, which is your target? Have you mapped it against the indicators? So number one, uh, they should uh, have a disruptive th thinking in how they perceive sustainability, for sure. And then they should really uh, reduce their reporting. It's too complex to read and, uh, and you know, make it very viable. What are your projects? What is the outcome? And uh, how are you contributing to the SDG? And then your investments will also be mapped. They don't see it in that way. So because uh, rightly so in a very cheeky way, I can say because they're handled by human resource and cop communication people or safety people. So obviously they won't have that, uh, you know, wherewithal also. So I think they really need to shake up also in the Indian context, I would say. Yeah, and I think sometimes within the business context, you see a lot of filters and there's a lot of work that goes into just publishing this report. And, exactly. it, and I see that across all different institutions, governing bodies, businesses, and you can, and even in academia is guilty of this yes. where you, you, great, you publish a report, then what? Then like what? What action is being done with the support? Are you sure publishing your support to check a box and look good? Yeah. And, yeah. and so kind of from that standpoint, I, I, I ask rhetorically, like, what's the point of publishing the report? Hmm. And then the kind of more seriously of like, how can a report maybe drive action? And how does that hmm. maybe impact how the everyday person might actually become a driver for SDG impact. Yes, yes. And I think that's a very important point because, you know, sustainability in the Indian context was, it's given by our mothers. It's it's inherent in our culture, the conservation, preservation. I don't need any reports. I mean, Gandhi propagated the sustainable service system to us uh, through his khadi, you know, which was a symbol of my freedom. And it was the most sustainable fashion. So cotton, you know, that's why it's very hilarious to me when I hear circular economy, packaged terms coming back to us and the entire business community says, oh, even not even business. I, I'm not here into doing business bashing. I've worked with them. They are, I mean, I had fantastic, you know, some really committed people, by the way, there. But it's just the way uh, I think we have been, I would say, the colonization of our education and the mindset also that package terms are coming to us and then we are really, really welcoming them. And we have no, you know, no trajectory to map their impact. We're just doing as a checkbook activity that 12.6 is a sustainable reporting target. So let's just do fancy reports. But you know, Kevin, there are some reports now. I just saw a very interesting report by the Aditya Billa group, the fashion group, and they called this report as Re-Earth. And it's just talking about the impact. And it is one of the, I mean, for me, I even, you know, propagated that report because I said, this is the connect that you're bringing to a reader because I feel like reading that report, it starts with a poem. I mean, I know we not many would like a poem, but it's interesting to see that a business is starting a, you know, it's it bring up some innovations. You know, we are, look at the way we are communicating here. I mean, it's bring some innovations, bring some breakthroughs. We are such, it's such a creative field. It's an impact oriented field. So let's talk about impacts. And in this way, all like the social entrepreneurs are doing fantastic work in India, I would say. They're the real drivers. Uh, they're coming up with renewable energy solutions. They, are, they have a direct connect with the community. And we're not talking here just uh, a conversation, but this is a proven fact. We have so many entrepreneurs 
I mean, Oroville in Pondicherry is a fantastic example of how a sustainable city can be built. So we have those examples. It's just that we are not a- able to converge. Like going back to your previous point, those partnerships have to be highlighted. That's not happening. It's just very fancy conference jargon terms that we go to fancy conferences and we just speak about it and then come back. And we know we are all already lagging behind in achieving the SDGs. Yeah. That's and the reason for us. Within within my day job and my side hustles and going to Unleash, you know, I go to a lot of shows to the point where my mom even jokingly called me trade show Kevin. And it, <laughs> it took me a couple of years until after I started going to some of these shows where I'd look at one, just the environmental impact of just hosting an event is crazy. But right. two of like – you know, some of these shows are focused on we need to, we're a company, we're here to have grow sales and we measure our impact on sales. But like I've been, I went to a, a firefighter cancer event in Philadelphia. And I, I went to Unleash in China in 2019. And at those events, I, I really asked everyone, I said, what are you going to do differently from this? At what, I mean, one, hopefully you learn something. And two, what yeah. are you like? We all are busy. We all have our daily lives yeah. that get that take over. But you talk about partnerships and collective action. And, and to me, that that is critical. And that's one reason why yeah. we started this SDG Talks podcast. But I think that's a big point that we got to I want to talk more about of how do we invoke more action? And, and even from that, what's the most important action to take? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes people just kick the can on reports and just find excuses to not take action. But what action should we encourage people to actually take as opposed to just finding excuses to, you know, write more reports? Exactly. So I think we're in a decade of action. So let's act rather than report. In fact, my contention is exactly like yours, that you can only report something where you have acted on, you know, why are you making those reports so fancy and your action on the ground is nil. And all you're doing is just a tick mark activity. So number one, I think even the sustain, it's a call to the sustainability heads and just pure sustainability heads, not the ones who are handling four portfolios or five portfolios for the business, because it's also business call to action. One is that, you know, just deliver on and not just preach. So I have, I mean, I have uh, sustainability heads driving one of the most a, a, one of the worst eco-efficient cars and they bring them to the uh, office spaces and then they go on these podiums and say, you know, drive a bicycle or drive or come to office through your public space. So just act what you, your representatives, not only of your companies, but even as a citizen. So let's just break that hypocrisy, number one. Number two, everyday sustainability action should be there. For example, I don't have a car. It's not that I can't buy. I just don't even have a car, even in a city like Delhi, by the way. And I'm a woman and you know how the safety hazards are even while traveling in, uh, you know, public transport. But that's the choice I have done. Citizens actions, I would say every day. Your uh, how are you uh, doing your waste? How are you conserving? Look at the packaging that we are using in our everyday lives. So those choices of consumption should be now it's high times that we should really think about our consumption choices. We should consume less. Business should produce more or less because they should, you know, really rethink about how their production cycles are also taking place. And the decade of action is about your little, little everyday lifestyle changes, which will actually reduce your carbon footprint. When you see those fancy, you know, indicators by these business and even by 
NGOs or anybody, what is your everyday lifestyle action that you have done, you know, towards that? Are you using public transport? There was a very interesting project that I did uh, very recently where we called up the residents and the everyday consumer. And for a period of some time, we asked them, how can you reduce your footprint in, let's say, electricity, in your daily consumption habits from food, electricity, transport, and so on. And when they came, they realized that if you were doing all this, how it leads to a complete lifestyle change. These are the everyday, this is how you will even have an engagement with the with your consumers. Business don't even think that the very con, very citizen is your consumer. So lifestyles, lifestyle changes would also encourage green jobs. It will also encourage new forms of products to become, to emerge with. And they are coming up, you know, it's not that they are not, but if you, but also you cannot have an organic product, which is so expensive to purchase. It just refutes the purpose. So let's think about from the production, from the value chain, not these heavy words, how will you engage the citizen business? The government is anyways there for policies. You can't ask them to produce something, but this is the change that you're going to, uh, bring in. Today, you're uh, looking at Corona. The COVID is a example right in front of us, how you have changed your work style, how you have changed your everyday eating patterns, how have you realized collaborations are important, how it's a pressure on the farmer companies to come up with solutions. Where is the disruption happening? In India, I've not seen a single disruptive model right now where I can quote like a Carlsberg coming up with a paper beer bottle. It's a, it's whatever it is. It's an initiative. But I want to see those examples. Like, wh- what is it that's shaking up? Even from the citizens, I would say. I mean, uh, there are campaigns. It's just being in silos. That's all. It, there is. We have the potential. We need to do something. That's all. I love it. And, and one of your actions is one of the quotes you said of stop making fancy reports and go take actions now on the ground. I couldn't agree more with that. And I think there's so many of these little everyday actions that are possible um, from how we conserve to how we consume to how we move. And we're in the midst right now of a, a global pandemic that neither yeah. you or your parents, our parents, um, yeah. really there's been nothing like this since the 1918 Spanish flu yeah. where there's been something that's this widespread and unpredictable. And as unfortunate as it is um i i think it's there's a lot of people who are very at risk you know you and myself for the most part will be fine you know yeah. but it's it's the the at-risk people the underlying health people and, and most people yeah. we i have never read so much media in my life but we, we know <laughs> yeah. this but i think yeah. coronavirus can teach us to one look at hey how can we adapt you know to me I, there's a part of me that almost wishes what if climate change was this visual and people were acting this fast. You know, never have I seen governments and people take action so fast. And yes. some of it's drastic, but some of it doesn't necessarily have to be completely up in your life. But, you know, how how can we use what's happening with coronavirus right now and how people are actually changing action and yes. use that as a model to spur action for initiatives that are aligned with obtaining the 2030 SDG goals? Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I do feel that priority SDGs, this gives you a very big, I think it should shake us up a bit also. It has shaken up, but it should also 
help us to shake up the entire SDGs narrative also. Let's take up the priority goals first. You know, like you rightly said, climate change. It's it's going to have, it's, it is there, it's right across even, I would say even the most undermined goal like the sustainable production and consumption, this is your overarching goal. You know, this will affect your, and we need to un- make people understand, they won't understand these goals also. You, you ask a citizen, do you know this target of sustainable reporting or do you know how you can reduce this, will bring this X uh, level of indicator change? No, but if you translate them, say, look, self-isolation can help you mitigate this pandemic, they understand. And you need to make these, you make to translate uh, the language first, bring awareness we are, I'm absolutely agreeing with you that too much of media is happening. There is a lot of information to digest. But the positivity is that with this information, there is also a hope that we can see how collaborations are happening. Like you saw how Spain and Italy, worst effective countries, uh, how people are coming together, singing songs, you know, coming in that action. This is voluntary. Nobody asked them to do so. Nobody. But just translate this into climate change. Just translate that into your sustainable production. How can we come together in groups, talk about, let's say, hey, today we want to do something on the waste. Let's do something on our, uh, you know, reduction of our packaging. Let's not buy those products. This is happening. Ethical consumers are there. We need to just bring those collaborative actions. In Indore, in a city called Indore, by the way, we have brought that. Uh, it's one of the cleanest cities in India, and it became because citizens uh, came together uh, to do this. So the, there are positive stories, and this this is what the action should be. We need to be. We can say we need to be the Greta's of the world, all of us, you know, because climate change. We are like I have always said that. Don't wait for a calamity, you know. Let's not wait for crisis. Crisis, adversities bring solidarity. Collaborate at the time of crisis. But let's mitigate the crisis. And I don't want to sound very preachy, but these are little things. I mean, uh, if you look at the food patterns in an Indian context, we went away from our traditional uh, diet. And it's caused a lot of health hazards to us. And we need to reflect back to our own roots, traditional knowledge, indigenous knowledges, and uh, bring those collaborations together. People are volunteering. This is one of the best examples I see in US, by the way volunteering and look at the population I have in my country and see the power of volunteerism. It's not been unleashed at all there. We have volunteers, but not at this level. You'll have employee volunteers because they are compulsory to go and, you know, attend those hours. It's out of compulsion. But look at the volunteers here who are performing. Look at the volunteers that went to Australia who helped those, uh, you know, animal rescues. So it's such a fantastic way to see But what I'm trying to say is let's not wait for a calamity. Let's not wait for crisis. We still have certain priority goals and the overarching goals like on climate change. And we need to really, really look at those goals and targets because there is a framework given to us. It's a framework. It's a framework that, look, if you work on these point one, two, three, you will be able to mitigate this. It's a simple framework. Yeah. It just needs to get translated. Love it. Yeah. And that's why we need better communication. So yes. to, to close out here, this is sort of two just general questions, but what's one thing right now that's uh, keeping you up at night and what's one thing that you're most excited about? 
So uh, keeping me up in the night is the fantastic DC life right now because I've just moved to DC and this has happened, but still energies are high. Passion, passion to bring an impact. Uh, and I'm not just saying like this, I'm actually through this podcast and through you, I think people like us should collaborate. First thing first, let's collaborate. This virtual modality has given us a fantastic opportunity to bring some kind of, you know, impact, awareness and so on. I'm also happy to even, uh, I'm interacting with a lot of young, exciting, you know, people back in India and across who want to do some kind of initiative. So that's something on board. That's something. So DC life, nude culture. Uh, I have these fantastic fellows from 17 different countries. All of us are talking about that's keeping up. Like, I'm, I'm actually not even sleeping. I'm half in India, time zone and half here. So I don't sleep. I don't know where is my sleep gone, but it's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I appreciate your passion and everything you're doing and really look forward uh, for continued communication on how we yes. can advocate yes. on SDGs and, and back to the, your first point, scale collaboration yes. amongst top-down and bottom-up organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Kevin. It was very candid and it's so nice to hear this and I'm sure we can, we have so much to do further. So much. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Take care. Bye. One of the interesting insights that we just had from this conversation was the whole dynamic of creating reports. We ask ourselves, why are we even creating this report? Radhika does a great job of working with policy and creating reports that are actually around metrics. And let's not just talk about creating fancy reports to check a box, but if you're going to actually create a report, do it on action that you've actually created. Don't just do it because you want to look good. And I really like that point, and I said it in the intro as well, let's stop making fancy reports and go take action. Radhika is a great example of how you can actually roll up your sleeves, get dirty, and get some work done. And that's a, that should be a message to everyone. Well, let's not try and just look fancy and do cool stuff on social media, but let's find ways to work together to actually bring sustainable change to move us closer to the 2030 goals. Hope you enjoyed listening. Keep thinking of ideas, send in messages, slide into the DMs, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.